your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, on the first down. Gets on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska. Wandale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Trying to imagine what Tim Curran's fan cutout would look like. <laughs> would it be a draw for the eyes? Probably, right? I mean, it'd be kind of well, cool. I'm going to shell out for the life-size one and, and get your uh, – Yeah, on the, on the tunnel walk because yeah. you got to go big and go bold here. Um, but I don't know. I'm thinking of some poses. I could do maybe like a James Bond kind of gun barrel thing. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, Greg. I'll, I'll just be brainstorming back here. Oh, love it. I absolutely love it. Welcome to Sports Nightly here on a Thursday night. So glad you've dialed us up here tonight. We're going to have a fun show over the next several hours. And, yeah, Tim did talk about the athletic department announcing a campaign today, uh, part of the Sea of Red sellout for the 2020 football season, presented by First National Bank of Omaha. Going to give fans a chance to fill Memorial Stadium virtually and then collect some commemorative items related to this season. The Sea of Red campaign is one of two primary fan initiatives that the athletic department announced today. The second being a free second screen video stream featuring several game day elements that will be up and running for the home games for the Huskers this year. But fans have multiple options to participate in this Sea of Red virtual sellout providing a unique uh, chances to be a part of that game day uh, ac- activities packages range from 25 bucks up to 40 Tim mentioned that uh, some of them include two life-size cutouts that might be kind of scary in my case to put that out there that'll be placed on the tunnel walk and then you would get four fan cutouts to be spread out throughout Memorial Stadium 40 seats filled and four collectors items as well this this will be proceeds that will help a, a season-long campaign to Help Oscar student athletes. Obviously, Nebraska is not getting that ticket revenue that they would have for 90,000 fans on a sellout day. So, this would help offset a little bit of that anyway. So, if you are interested at all, you certainly can go to huskers.com uh, slash sea of red sellout. Packages are going to start being sold on Tuesday. So, you have all weekend, the rest of this week and all weekend to kind of figure out what you'd like to do to be a part of this thing. This thing will be fun. They're going to start installing those at the end of the month. Our first home football game is the 31st Halloween weekend, by the way, with the Wisconsin Badgers. So uh, go check it out again, huskers.com slash sea of red sellout for that. That is going to be really, really cool. Uh, and also the other part is that game day video stream for home games on huskers.com and Facebook Live. It will feature watching the teams warm up, which we had that presented a year ago. We were doing that, but it'll be a little bit more additional uh, pregame things, and then they'll have uh, our broadcast uh, for parts of it as well, slipping in there, and then some commentary for some other folks uh, to fill out some of our commercial breaks when we go to those. But that'll be a cool little addition to your fi- to your experience. So, you know, if you're, you can't come inside of Memorial Stadium, and we get it, you're not going to be able to be in there. They're going to be able to give you some video options other than just maybe a, a TV feed of the game uh, that you can watch the team get warmed up. You can watch the tunnel walk happening. They're going to put a, a virtual uh, band performance. The band is also not going to be allowed inside Memorial Stadium either. So uh, they're just trying to do a lot of different things. Uh, great ideas. Love it. I hope they keep coming up with more of these. I think they will as we get uh, moving forward. Do we have... 
A quarterback controversy now in Lincoln. Matt Lubick met with the media today, the offensive coordinator for the Huskers. We heard from the defensive coaches a couple of days ago. Today was the offensive day. Uh, I don't know, but but Coach Lubick kind of kept that thing open. He says as, as Tim played the clip in the ticker at the top of the hour, as of right now, Adrian's number one, but Luke's having a great camp and competing with him. I think that's going to excite people, Tim, to hear that. Uh, the most popular guy all the time is the back of quarterback, <laughs> and, and here you go. You got the offensive coordinator adding a little fuel to that fire. Yeah, no, as soon as I heard uh, Coach Lubick uh, address this QB room situation, I, I kind of knew that would that would pique some fans' interest. And, look, I, I think a little bit of, of what Lubick was saying wasn't necessarily taken out of context, but I, I, I should mention he was asked specifically about both Luke and Adrian, and which is why he addressed that. And, and I, he did bring up, hey, this is a healthy competition, but he did say, kind of unequivocally speaking, that Adrian is the starter. But as you said, Greg, I mean, I understand a lot of people how that season ended last year with Nebraska sort of on that skid and then in seeing how promising Luke looked in flashes in that Iowa game. I know they kind of implemented a lot of different QBs and against the Hawkeyes. Um, I, I totally get it. And, hey, look what his brother does uh, for, uh, you know, on game days on Sunday in the NFL. Also, he's got another brother uh, in, in Michigan, or I guess he's just going to transfer now. Um, of course, his father played in the NFL. So there's a lot of pedigree there. There's a lot of excitement and good reason for McCaffrey. I mean, what an athlete. Um, but he's a redshirt freshman. He's going to be around for a while. Adrian's a junior. And I think a lot of, of, of what this is fueled by last year as well is, 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 look, Adrian had some injuries last year. And I understand that. You know, the, the difference between him freshman year and sophomore year was a little bit of a letdown for people. And I, I totally get where they're coming from. But look, Adrian's a starter for now. And I think that that's that's the right decision uh, to be at this point in time. He's got the most experience. He's a leader um, and all of that. But hey, listen, uh, if, 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 if the healthy competition means we get to see more of Luke McCaffrey, uh, I'm all about it. I, I think the, the good news here is you might have two guys. And if Adrian is stumbling or not playing at a very high level you you don't feel like okay we we have no other option we got to roll with this luke is good enough that he may get some opportunities and and i think they're going to have to be creative anyway tim Mm -hmm. in getting him on the field at various times even if he's not the number one guy he's just too good of an athlete to have standing over there holding the clipboard Right, right, because because we uh, could be utilized, you know, at, at wide receiver, kind of like you see the, the Saints do with Taysom Hill. I don't know if that's exactly what their what their vision is like. I know uh, Coach Lubick, and we'll get into this next segment, so I don't want to bury the bury the lead or anything like that. But um, he talked a little bit about implementing pro style uh, kind of offensive wrinkles. So who knows? There there could be, as you mentioned, a, a lot of stuff in the works for Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, you just want to see the best athletes on the field. I mean, look at a guy like Wandale Robinson. Most of the time, he's going to line up at receiver, but if you can work him in at running back, especially if there's some injuries there, why not? So I think a lot of people are excited about this offense, you know, not just because of the new coordinator, but of all the new wrinkles we're going to see as well. And I know the the receiver room, too, that was what really regressed last year and it was why we saw change, obviously, in the, the coordinator position. So if you can get some things figured out among the receivers, whether that's Adrian or Luke, in that QB, I think you're going to see some really impressive leaps. And of course, we they there were talk there was talk about Omar Manning. You know, what's a guy like him do? They, even Elante Brown got some mention today by Coach Lubick. So there's a lot of it buzz around this offense, and I think for good reason. Absolutely, and I think that's what everybody is anxious to see are some of these new toys, the Omar Mannings, the Elante Browns. 
Uh, wh- how good is Wandale? How much better has he gotten since last year when he came jumping onto the scene? And I think there's some other names in that wide receiving room, too, that are going to catch people off guard. And I think the tight ends are going to maybe be a bigger role. I think that Matt Lubick, I think, has been known to maybe get the tight the tight ends involved more in the passing game than maybe Coach Walters did the last couple of years. And I think that's news to guys like Jack Soul's ears, who obviously have done a pretty good job the last couple of years. But I think last year, Nebraska only had one tight end touchdown all season long. I mean, that needs to be and Nebraska struggled at times in the red zone. So they need to be able to get get some uh, things happening in the red zone. And the tight ends are a great option as we watch NFL games uh, week in and week out. And you see how big the tight ends are in those offenses down in the red zone. And I think Nebraska certainly can be like that as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson could be on the field tonight in a Monday night or the Thursday night NFL game as the Jets play the Broncos. This uh, this matchup will probably set television records. I mean, you've got two man. This 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 you may have to wash your eyes out, Tim. I mean, these are two uh, zero and threes going out of this one tonight. I was going to say I don't think even fantasy implications come into this one at this point because who do you got going in with either of these teams? I mean, Thursday night football. I mean, I guess they save the the preseason matchups for for Thursday nights because it's been rough. I mean, both these teams are as anemic as they get. I, it, this is going to be a an absolute just rock fight between a movable object and a resistible force. I mean, the New York Jets might be, and, and not that the Broncos are much better, mind you. They're both 0-3, but uh, the New York Jets have just been horrendous. Uh, the New York Giants have been horrendous as well. Uh, Denver, they, they, they really should have beat uh, Tennessee. They couldn't get that figured out. Now Drew Locke's hurt. So uh, I think the line is in favor of the Jets by a point. Uh, I t- mm. take the under in this game. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put any money on this at all, uh, frankly. But, uh, yeah, th- this is going to be a, a rough one. But, hey, uh, you know what? I might have an eyeball tuned in this one because why wow. not? Absolutely. Once I learn that Lamar's been activated for this one, I'm going to be anxious to see if he gets a chance on special teams to run out there. A lot of times in the NFL, if you're an activated defensive back, you're going to find the field because guys get nicked up a lot of that position. So good for Lamar Jackson. That's fantastic. He's going to cut his NFL teeth tonight in that Thursday night game that starts in about an hour. Uh, Tim also had this in the ticker. Good news for Fred Hoiberg's Huskers today as they pick up their first commitment of the fall for the 2020 class. They already have a member of that class, and that is Kisai uh, Taming- Ta- Tamana- Ta- Tamanaga, who's the junior college player who signed with, or committed to Nebraska a year ago. Tamanaga is a really good shooter. He's going to sign with Nebraska in November, but now he has company. as Wilhelm Bredenbach from Modern Day High School out in California. Maybe one of the higher recruited kids in Nebraska history Tim this guy's like a, almost a top 50 player in the country 6-9 they list him as a center but he's got kind of guard slash small forward type skills he can step out and shoot the three just the kind of guy just the kind of big that Fred Hoiberg wants right exactly and this team really really could use some height so that's it really interesting and yeah 6-9 center on a matter day high school that's like one of those super high schools out there in California they're a pipeline for a lot of elite college programs so that's awesome as well a center uh, rivals has him at three stars ranked 133rd in the nation I think last year he's actually in that mid 40 range so we did get a little bit of a downgrade but still one of the best prospects in the nation and 24-7 has him at four stars at his position he's ranked 17th 
at his position at the center spot. And, you know, I don't think Nebraska even used a center last season. So that's a, that's a pretty big uh, step up there. And, yeah, Keisai Tominaga, he's exciting as well, the shooting guard in that class. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the good thing about Fred Hoiberg is, is I was reading a little bit of what uh, Robin Walsh had, had to had to write about uh, Mr. Bradenbach on uh, his little column there. And, and what basically what Will was saying is even though the wins weren't there, the up-tempo, the style of play, as you mentioned, Greg, it's really going to flesh well with, with what he's already – with his skill set is. So I think these guys are smart. These kids know, hey, Fred Hoiberg has NBA ties, and he runs an NBA kind of up-tempo offense – so naturally, that, that that gets them excited. So yeah, with, with Kasei Tominaga and Wilhelm Bradenbach, you basically have two studs, at least uh, from everything I've read about them in this class already. And it's it's pretty exciting times to be a Nebraska basketball fan. Bradenbach, it came down to Cal, Nebraska, and Marquette. So the Oscars beat out a Big East team in Marquette and a Pac-12 team in Cal and get a young man from the California area to come to Lincoln, Nebraska. That's really good. So great news for Husker Hoops today. All right, 531-500-4686, the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text. We'll come back and hear some clips in our practice report. That's coming up next. Welcome back. Sports Highly here on a Thursday night. Greg Sharp, Tim Current with you tonight. Josh Okeman and Austin Orman going to join the show later. So a cast of thousands. That's what it takes to put this show on every night. I don't know if people realize that, but uh, that's what, you know, that's why we get high quality performances every night, night after night here on Sports Highly. All right. Uh, time to get into tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And the practice report brought to you by JTech. Football's back and soon the cold weather will be too. If your windows aren't ready for winter, call JTech Construction. The official exterior experts of the Huskers for a free estimate. Offensive coordinator Matt Lubick in his first year at Nebraska met with the media after the workout today. And one of the early topics was about Adrian Martinez. Where can he improve and how have all the quarterbacks progressed since the pandemic? The first part of your question as far as Adrian taking a lot of blame last year or putting pressure on himself. I wasn't here, but I think that always happens to quarterbacks in general is when things are going good, sometimes they get too too much credit. When things are going bad, they take too much blame and everyone sees what the quarterback does, but it is. When I, we watch cutups of last year's season, it's the people around him. It's the, the line with protections, be able to run the football to take pressure off him in the passing game. It's the receivers getting open. It's, it's the running backs blocking. Uh, it, it was a combination of things, you know, and Adrian did some great things last year, and like everybody, he could have played better. And the same with that goes with our whole offense. Uh, I've been really happy, really, with all our quarterbacks, the way they've progressed uh, since we've been here, you know, and, and taking advantage of this, this crazy times when, uh, you know, back in when the whole country shut down, those guys kept learning. They were on Zoom calls. They kept learning. They were hungry. They were throwing on their own. And you could see that when we finally got back in the summer that those guys have been, you know, working their tails off. And they can just continue to get better and better and better. And, you know, as a coaching staff, part of it's on us. You know, when he, if Adrian performs well, we, we, we got to help him do that by putting him in good situations, by making the read simple, easy, and clear. 
and that's been one of our big goals as coaches to, to make it as easy as we can, not just for him, but for our offense. Uh, you know, one thing you do as an offense to try to get better is you, you look back in the last season and what, what did we do well? Well, you continue to do that um, and maybe do it a little bit differently. And, and then if there's something you didn't do well, ask why. You know, we always put the first thing on us. Did we coach it well enough? Did we rep it well enough? Is it even worth doing? And then the third thing is you actually look at other teams and do a lot of self-scout and, and studying and seeing if there's something out there that can enhance your system uh, that fits, let's use it. And so it's, it's kind of a combination of things, you know, and it starts with us and then, then getting our, uh, our, our players to fall in line with it. Really detailed comments from Matt Lubick there, the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, about a lot of things. There was a lot in that clip there. He also doubles up as the wide receivers coach, and he was asked about the chemistry that's been developed and I'm sure still being developed between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. I think we're in a really good place. Uh, I've seen it just from an improvement standpoint. Our guys have taken advantage of the time. They threw a lot on their own when they could. Um, I, I think the guys are, have done a lot of stuff with this pandemic off the field and bonded in that way. And uh, I think we're, we're on the same page. Now it's more of a matter because we haven't been able to go to pads until just now. And so it's get, getting that same timing that we've had without pads with pads and getting Chris with blocking and tackling and, and throwing in pads. Uh, and that's, again, that just starts right now. But I really have, you know, we've installed our offense. Um, now we're reinstalling our offense. So I, I feel we're in a good place. You know, I know we missed spring ball like a lot of other college football teams did. But the, the pandemic, I mean, our, our guys handled it great, you know, with, with extra opportunity to do things on their own. Tim, we do our segment during the summer here on Sports Sunday called 7 on 7, which is what the guys do in June and July. Well, they've been doing that in June and July and August and September. I mean, they've done a lot of that. I would, I would think that, that that's one area where you can go out every day and throw a football to a teammate an awful lot. I would think they would be a long ways into that. Right. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, we all know the effect of, of not having uh, put on the pads and actually hit people because we saw what happened with the Navy-BYU game, and that, <laughs> that went south quick. And so it's obviously beneficial to have pads on. But to your point, uh, seven on sevens, and I know that's that's huge in, in, in many areas of the country. I know Texas, have, you have huge high school seven on seven football teams uh, where you're working the skill guys, working routes. You can work on timing, execution, uh, plenty of other drills like that that don't involve putting the pads on. But I know they're really excited to to finally be able to, to strap the pads on and actually do some you know real you know hitting real football. But to your point, you're you're exactly right. I mean, it's a huge benefit to to these guys. They've been they've had a lot of time time to prepare I mean some would say too much time uh thanks Big Ten uh for them to prepare but but yeah seven on seven drills got to be huge in that process yeah that that area I think you can get better you you can't get better at tackling you have to have pads on to work get better at tackling there's some things you cannot do with pads working on developing chemistry and timing that's something I think can be done and I think it sounds like that has been done the last several months all right uh, Tim had this in the ticker at the top how about the top two quarterbacks Adrian Martinez Luke McCaffrey here's the OC well I, I think it's uh, to answer your question they're both playing at a high level and you know I don't know if I I look at it as pressure I think they're both making each other better uh, we feel good about both guys right now we really do and uh, as a matter of fact you know, with uh, with Masker and, and, and Logan, our freshman, playing really well, too. We feel like we've got great depth at that position. 
but they're, they've both improved a ton just the understanding of what we're trying to teach them since I've been here. And their attitude's been great. Uh, they're as humble as guys, humble as quarterbacks as I've been around. You know, they always want to give credit to other people and, and uh, you know, they're team players. And so we feel really good about both of them. And the follow-up to this was, is Adrian the starter? Here we go. Adrian's the starter as of today. But I, like I said, Luke has done a great job, and it's, it's, a, it's a friendly competition. Competition makes both guys better. And uh, we feel like we've, we've repped both of them with the ones. They both moved the ball. They've both had, uh, you know, great camps so far, you know, with the non-padded stuff. And so that, that, that evaluation is always ongoing. But, uh, but Adrian's improved, and he's, and he's going to be a better football player this year. Yeah, you know, it's good to hear Coach uh, talk about Luke and, and Adrian and how they've progressed. And I think that was a big concern is when you have something like a pandemic kind of shut down normal activities, how are these guys going to be able to progress? How, what are they going to work on? How can they work on it? You know, a lot of this is happening uh, in, in Zoom meetings. They're not uh, necessarily always getting face-to-face instruction. And so there's a concern there. You say, how are these guys going to develop? And especially when we saw Adrian, uh, when, when we really wanted to see him kind of take a step forward, and in many ways that, that wasn't the case last year. But it, by all indications, not only is Luke McCaffrey uh, progressing, but, but Adrian is as well uh, throughout this time. And I think – Coach Lubick has been really optimistic about what he's been able to do with his team in, in weird conditions, and, and he's definitely been happy to see how these guys progressed. So is the headline tomorrow quarterback <laughs> I think you might splash that across the page. No, I, I think that might be a stretch, but uh, I think that the Husker fans are always always familiar and, uh, and ready for, for, for more QB talk. No doubt. All right, maybe the most heralded guy in the, the, the recent recruiting class is Omar Manning, the junior college wide receiver. And, and on signing day, Scott Frost made the comment, that's the kind of guy you see running around on Sundays. How has Omar Manning been doing? Let's ask his coach, Matt Lubick. Sure. I mean, he's done some good things like, uh, like all our young guys. Um, you know, he's battled a little bit with some nagging injuries. Which has slowed him down. We have we have had a few of those, but but uh, you know his attitude's been good, and, and uh, you know he he competes. So Omar Manning, um, I don't like to hear the nagging injuries. That might be one of those soft tissue things, pulled groin, tender hamstring. You don't like that because he needs reps. He needs to get into this offense. And we're just a shade over three weeks away from the opening game. You need him to be a big factor for this offense. So that's going to be something worth keeping an eye on. Now, they did have, this team did have two spring practices back in March before it all got halted. And one true freshman wide receiver, Alante Brown from Chicago, was opening some eyes. They were talk about how he quickly had become the fastest guy on the team. How about an update on Alante Brown? Here's Matt Lubick. You know, I think his attitude and how hungry he is to get better has definitely impressed the coaches, but his teammates. Uh, he always stays after and, you know, catches balls. He, uh, he's done a ton of work in the summertime just to learn the offense. So he's a brand new guy that's not just new to Nebraska. He hadn't played receiver before. So everything's new to him, technique, scheme, plays, terminology. And to, do, to actually have a chance to play when you're in that position, you have to put a lot of time in on your own, and, and he did that. And just, you know, just his attitude and, and his nonstop wanting to get better is going to make him a really good player, not to mention he has a ton of talent. 
Speed, talent like that. You get another guy out there that's kind of comparable to an, a Wandale, and then you're starting to do something. And you go back and watch those Oregon teams that both Coach Frost and Coach Lubick were at, and they had multiple guys that you had to worry about. And that's when this offense will really hum if there are multiple weapons on the field that the defense can't shade somebody to cover double-team one guy. They have to be spread out, and that's when this offense will really take off to the next level. Also, uh, the offensive line, so important. Uh, on paper, it looks good. How have they looked on the field? Here's Matt Lubick. I think they're a strength of our football team. You know, we've got some proven players there. Uh, we've got great depth there. And, you know, we, as an offense, we want to be balanced. We want to be able to throw the ball where they got to pass protect. And we also want to be able to run the ball, um, run the ball in the perimeter, be able to run the ball downhill. And they've done it all at this camp. And so I've been really pleased with them, and I think they're the strength of our offense. Strength of the offense, Tim Kern. How about that? <laughs> uh, the pipeline's always a strength of the offense. And, yeah, and I know uh, Coach Lubick mentioned this uh, during the press conference as well. It's going to be interesting of a, a dynamic because Greg Austin, offensive line coach, is also going to be the run coordinator. So that's another kind of new-ish wrinkle there. Um, Cam Juergens got a mention today as well, the center. Um, Coach Lubick talked about his explosiveness. So uh, a lot of Husker fans I know are hoping to see some strides from him. And I think that last year, yeah, the, the snaps were a concern. But as the season progressed, that got less and less. And so if that core unit can stay healthy, I think that off the line is going to take some tremendous leaps. And that's going to be such a boon for the running backs who use that. And for Adrian, who, who could use some more time to, to, to throw to receivers. So, uh, yeah, Coach Lubick uh, throwing some red meat out there for Husker fans about the off the line. Uh, they'll take it any day. Greg Austin also met with the media today. And here he was asked, can you give us a depth chart? And here's what he said. Hymas would be your left tackle. That's not a surprise. Right now, Bo Wilson's working with the ones at left guard. Jurgens at center. Matt Farniak is working at right guard, sliding from right tackle to right guard. And redshirt freshman Bryce Benhart is the right tackle. True freshman Turner Corcoran right now is competing with Christian Gaylord for the backup left tackle spot. Corcoran's young man from Lawrence, Kansas, a very, very highly recruited young guy, part of that 20, uh, 2020 class that Nebraska signed. He signed in December and was here for the spring. That's pretty good news. Hymas, a senior, you're going to have to replace him in a year. That's really good news to see Corcoran is doing so well. And then you've got a real battle with at that, those guard spots. After Bo Wilson, Austin said Brock Bando and – Colorado State transfer Nori Nuella is pushing for playing time. Nuella is a walk-on from Norris, but was starting at Colorado State a year ago. So you're talking about some real good depth there. Trent Hickson, who started a lot last year at left guard, is now battling uh, for the number two center spot. He's also a guy that can play either the guard spots. And also battling right behind Farniak at right guard is redshirt freshman Ethan Piper and Matt Sichterman. So you talk about some depth in there. You talked about keeping them healthy. Absolutely, you want to do that. But I think there's some options in that offensive line. And to hear a guy like Corcoran has maybe made his way to number two on the depth chart at left tackle as a true freshman, whoa, that grabs your attention. It, it certainly does. And, and even guys like Bryce Bennard, I mean, you look at those redshirt freshmen on the squad, and there's so much talent there. And the, and one thing, I've, I've heard Brennan Stye, uh, who's on their network a, a bunch and former Husker Pipeline member himself, 
talks about how, how Scott will look at a guy who's maybe more built like a defensive lineman, more of an athlete, and he'll say, hey, I, I could envision you playing off the line. That's, that's essentially what happened with a guy like Cam Jurgens, who was a tight end, and then uh, Coach Frost transitions him over to a center. And so I think with those young guys, Frost and his staff have been really good at identifying not just off the linemen, but body types. What are the kind of the, the intangibles that make an offensive line lineman really good? I mean, is it the hands? Is it the footwork? It's all that. And so really he's, he's recruiting athletes at the offensive lineman position. They're not just like bricks anymore. I mean, I think that's always the, the image you get in your mind of an offensive lineman. You think of a 450-pound slab of meat that you, you can't move around. But I think with Nebraska, what they're looking for is not just a, a big offensive line, because that was a something Coach Frost had lamented when he kind of first got here, is that just the size of the, the line needed to be bigger. But you can have a not only a size sizably big line, but a line that can really move as well. So that that's really exciting to see amongst the, the young guys on this unit. My biggest takeaway from what we've heard today from Greg Austin, Matt Lubick, and everybody's going to say, well, it's the quarterback race is tight. Hmm? When I hear the offensive coordinator say that the strength of our offense is our offensive line, that makes me happy. I love that because if you can block people up front, you can dictate the game, and it has been a long time since the Huskers have been able to do something like that. That's very, very encouraging. Another thing that was encouraging, something about the running back position. We're going to talk about that when we come back. That wraps up our JTEC practice report here on, on a Thursday night here on Sports Highly. Uh, again, hearing from the offensive coaches today. Here we are on a Thursday night. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Big hour coming up. Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune here in just a couple of minutes. And we'll go beyond the headlines later on in the hour. Josh Hokeman will join us for that segment. And as will Austin Orman. Yesterday was a big day, Tim. Really big day. And here's why. Um, it was October 1st. And that's the day that our good friends at Runza bring back chili and cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, Greg, I think I have to abstain from the chili and cinnamon roll lifestyle. What? I have to leave it behind. Not because Runza doesn't make delicious chili and cinnamon rolls, but I am on a diet and I, I have to abstain, unfortunately. Uh, it's very you, tough. You, can't Please. you have a cheat day? You know, there are cheat days, but uh, I, I got to work those in sparingly because for me, cheat days turn into cheat weeks, which turn into cheat months. So I got I to gotta kind of limit my indulgences, if you will. So thought, thoughts and prayers with me, Greg, please, uh, at this time. Ooh, man, I, I, I've, I've mentioned it three times in the last day, and my, my wife Amy said, sounds like you're going to Runza pretty soon here. I'm like, <laughs> yep, yep, I'm going to be hitting Runza pretty quick. So it's chili and cinnamon rolls are back. Yes. And, and it makes us Nebraskans unique because the people from around the country hear that combination and they like, they don't get it. They don't, right. they don't well, think and it's going to be any good. I was going to say the other thing too about the, the chili and cinnamon rolls, they don't get that, you know, the, the glory of that in the football press box. It, it's awesome. But the other thing too that runs it does, which is awesome, I'm not sure if they're starting up just yet, but those temperature Tuesday things where you can buy those mm -hmm. combo meals for basically like dirt cheap, like 1930s prices, like you toss the cashier a nickel and you get a runza. Uh, I'm all about that. And so that, that that's when I have to, I'll save those cheat days for when they bring back temperature Tuesday, is, is what I'll say. will be in January. That'll, that'll start in January. Okay. So to get your Runza calendar set, <laughs> October 1 is chilly day, and January 1 is when Temperature Tuesday comes back. So All right. There you go. Good, good, good stuff. One guy is always full of good stuff joins us now. 
He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, we're we're so lucky to have Teddy with us tonight because we're interrupting his pregame party before the Jets Broncos game tonight. So we'll, we'll we'll go quick so you can get kickoff for that one. Oh God! You know I'm wearing the wrong hat. I should wear one of my 14 Jets hats that's upstairs. <laughs> Greg, I've not seen one live play of the Jets this year, and as as I explained to my kids, I'm already in tank mode. I we need Trevor Lawrence. We need something. <laughs> Um, probably trade the pick and get, you know, do it like a Mike Ditka, Ricky Williams draft where you get like seven different picks for him and, and keep Sam Darnold. It's a sad state of affairs, but I certainly will be watching tonight. Now, you know, fantasy football trumps everything. So I have the Denver defense on one of my teams and the Jets defense <laughs> on another one of my teams. So if it's three nothing, I will be a happy man. Yeah, the state of New York football is pretty sad. The Giants aren't much better, if, oh if at God, all. And in, so the, in your town, your town, you got a little quarterback controversy going on. I guess maybe it's really not a controversy. They just have made the switch, right? Not a controversy at all. I mean, I was watching that Bears no. game avidly last week. And, you know, they're basically, Mitch had two major screw-ups. Uh, one is where he picked the wrong receiver. He, it was such a bad choice on the receiver that Jimmy Graham, the tight end, didn't even think the ball was coming. He wasn't even paying attention. It was the wrong read. <laughs> and then Mitch overshot a guy uh, for a touchdown. Got Matt Ryan did that once or twice, too. Um, man, it's like when you when your receiver is ahead by two yards, you just cannot miss him. So two mortal sins in the view of uh, Matt Nagy, the Bears coach. And uh, Mitch got benched, and, you know, they're down 26-10. They think they get a, a touchdown in the end zone. That gets waved off, so you think this comeback's not going to happen. But the Falcons are here for the Bears. The Falcons are here for the NFL. That is like the chokiest team I've ever seen, aside from the fact that the defense can't stop anyone. The offense just curls into a ball. So somehow the Bears are 3-0. and Home dogs this week to the Colts. That should, that should tell you everything you need to know about this team. How, uh, how excited do the fans get when the, when the Bears get on a roll there in Chicago? I would guess quite a bit. Yeah, it's just such a weird year, Greg, I feel like, because fans can't go to the game, you know, it, it's maybe just like 60% the normal enthusiasm, like same for Cubs and Sox. I mean, obviously both, uh, you know, have been dueling it out in the playoffs and all that, but it's just not the same. I mean, what I've been doing for the Bears is there's actually a soccer bar near me, and you can go and they have like outdoor TVs and it's a great setup. And the English Premier League game usually ends at about 12, 15. So there's this 15-minute overlap where you've got 50 people and all they care about is, you know, how Chelsea is doing. And the rest of us are watching the NFL game on our phones on the Yahoo app. It's very strange. And then they clear out. You hope that the game doesn't go into overtime. Uh, so then they clear out. We take over the tables and we're watching the NFL. But, you know, it's good for fantasy. It's good for sports betters. And, uh, yeah, let's all be grateful there's the NFL. But it's definitely not the same level of enthusiasm compared to previous years. Yeah, I bet. Teddy Greenstein is with us from the Chicago Tribune. I was all set at 1 o'clock today to flip it on and, and watch some Cubs-Marlins game and, I guess, rained out. What, what was the deal there? A lot of rain in Chicago? Uh, there's a little mystery going on here on the north side of Chicago. I actually have a friend who – 
does some TV work for the Cubs, and he texted me before anybody knew anything and said, the game's been postponed, something weird is going on. And then a couple minutes later, the score, which is the radio station that has the Cubs, said it was weather-related. And, I mean, it was not a fantastic forecast here, mid-50s, and there were showers in the forecast. But I don't know if it rained. If it rained, it rained for like five (laughs) minutes. Oh, I'm serious. I mean, so this is one of these ones where you totally question, where you think that it was all TV-induced because the Cubs could have the stage to their own tomorrow. And if it goes to game three, I'm quite sure that that's the only baseball game being played on Saturday. So if you're MLB, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you would want a series clinching, deciding playoff game on Saturday to go up against uh, all those good football games like Auburn, Georgia. So I really think something else was at play here because these teams usually play through a lot more than this. Well, last night the Yankees and the Indians played through a couple of downpours and got it done about midnight or 1 a.m. Eastern time when, when that one wrapped up. All right, you mentioned Auburn, yeah. Georgia. How, how, much, uh, how much more excited were you for college football last Saturday with the SEC kind of joining the fray? Did it seem more real to you? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, Mississippi State, LSU really marked the beginning of college football season to me. That was uh, fantastic. Texas uh, Texas Tech was, you know, was weird with a million points being scored. And you got to give credit to where it's due. Right now, the SEC is winning college football. Maybe that should not come as a shock since the SEC wins most years in college football. But, uh, you know, they didn't have to cancel any other games, whereas I think I saw a stat about 20% of games have been canceled or postponed. Obviously, Notre Dame had the outbreak. Um, a lot of the smaller leagues have had issues. Houston has had, what, four games postponed or pushed back. It's been pretty yeah. ugly. But um, the SEC, through planning and good luck, has had no issues. And um, that league certainly dominated last Saturday. I'm sure it'll be the case again this week. Uh, A&M, Alabama, I believe, right? And, um, yeah, and Auburn, Georgia. So those are some great ones. Really quiet in the Big Ten. I feel like we'll start ramping up in the next couple weeks, but um, hopefully there'll be no breakouts and and maybe those campuses are somewhat getting back to usual. Teddy, without fans or or, or a lot fewer fans in these venues, should we not consider some of these upsets? I mean, you don't have the home field advantage anymore this year in football, do you? Well, it's so true. I mean, the minute that, you know, I look and see Mississippi State's beating LSU, and, you know, obviously then it goes on in the second half. I just said to myself, it's like, why didn't we see this coming? I mean, right, Death Valley is not Death Valley without fans. Yeah. And LSU had, like, three starters returning, and you've got Mike Leach, who's had an entire offseason to plot against our guy, Bo Pelini. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we all should have at least predicted a close game, if not an upset. Um, but it's true. I, I mean, I think the odds makers have said they've cut the – uh, home point, uh, the home favorite advantage in half. So maybe you know it's gone from three or four points to one or two points, and that certainly makes sense. Uh, I mean, if you look at it in baseball, the Cubs, they can't do squat at home. They've scored, like, I think three runs in their last four games at Wrigley. You think they'd have this comfort level. They know where everything is, how to time everything, where to get their practice hacks in, and they are – absolutely incompetent at home. So that's a weird one. We'll see uh, what happens with Big Ten football season. What did you make of this week for baseball? The expanded playoffs, the three-game series, baseball wall-to-wall for a couple days here? What did you make of it? Yeah, I enjoy the games, but 
I, I don't know if anybody can sit there watching a game from beginning to end. I mean, the Yankees game you're referring to, I flipped on and off about six different times. Um, you know, the White Sox uh, played today, and especially when you don't have a traditional starting pitcher, like their starter, you know, and, and it should be, I'm sorry, starter, because it's really an opener, through two-thirds of an inning. And then it just becomes just an endless parade of pitching changes. And, you know, you see the managers more than you see the players. And it's a tough sell. I mean, to me, baseball, you have it on in the background a lot now while you're doing something else, and you just rely on the broadcaster's voice raising up or maybe the crack of the bat, and then you look up. But the games are just endless. I I mean, they played Mm -hmm. an entire, obviously, NBA Finals game, I think, between like the third and seventh inning of the Yankees game, or at least that's what it felt like. So uh, I'm glad all these games are happening. I have no issue with baseball playoff expansion. I'm glad there's not college football playoff expansion. uh, I guess I'm a diehard. I'm an old school guy who doesn't see the need for more than four. Then you're not in Larry Scott's camp because he was (laughs) trying to push that this week out of the Pac-12. Yeah, nice try, Larry. Um, <laughs> I'm not in uh, in his camp at all. He's the guy who's you know made forty million dollars with the Pac-12. He, he pays himself very very handsomely while uh, while laying off a lot of that staff. It's been it's been kind of low everything that's happened there in the Pac-12. So um, no, I'm not in favor of that. I know it's a strange year, and you know based on the baseball situation, you could certainly make a case to include more teams. But he's just doing that to give the Pac-12 a shot. Because, you know, obviously they're only going to play, what, six or seven games. But uh, I don't like it. I I think if any time you expand the college football postseason, you're taking away from the best regular season in sports. And I don't want to do that. I want to make it very hard to make the playoffs not easy. Very good. All right. You're working on anything special? You're just getting ready for this uh, Big Ten season to start here in a couple weeks? Yeah, I got kind of some fun, weird golf stories coming up. I was on a course the other day where – they, they, instead of carts, they use scooters. So it gets up to like 24, 25 miles an hour. Kind of, you're, you're like revving up as if you're driving a motorcycle. Uh, so that was kind of fun and um, working on some Cubs stuff. So we'll certainly be, uh, I can't go to the game because they're limiting the press box to two Tribune writers. So writing off TV Friday and perhaps Saturday. But um, this is all just window dressing until we get to what really matters, which is Big Ten football. Well, I sure hope the rain clears out of there so the Cubs can play tomorrow. We'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll keep pushing it back and just get better and better TV windows. We shall see. Good stuff. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Greg. Be well. Welcome back Thursday night. Sports Island. Greg Sharp, Tim Kern about to be joined by Josh Shokeman and Austin Orman because we're about to go beyond the headlines. That's one small step for man. One Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the headlines. Have no fear. Josh and Austin are here to warm up for face-off. Nice. <laughs> Before you get going, Josh, you'll get a you'll get a kick out of us because I know you've been watching you've watched Space Force, but. Hearing the Neil Armstrong thing there, I just saw the episode where they landed on the moon and the and the, the gal gets out of the first one goes for the walk and she said it's good to be black on the moon. <laughs> did you see that episode? Yeah. How did you? I did. Yeah, I, I made it all the way through. Um, yeah. so yeah, I I'm did, close. Did, 
Yeah, it's you know what? It was just like I don't know. It wasn't a good show, but it was <laughs> just enough to make me want to watch season two whenever that happens oh, to no. come out. Like I'll I'll go back to it. It's just I thought it was going to be better than it was. It wasn't great, but it's. Had a few moments. I got one episode in and tapped out, and that was enough for me. No, thank you. That's fair it, enough. Like I, it was. Don't it got me. better. It was better toward the end of yes. the season than the beginning. Agreed. I'm yeah, sorry, I interrupted sure. your guys' flow. Oh no, <laughs> no we were right. we we're just going to jump right on in here. So as you mentioned earlier in the show, Greg, it is October 1st, the uh, chilling cinnamon roll day Woo-hoo! at Runza, but it's also the day that we're supposed to wake Green Day up since September has ended. So hopefully someone has done that already today. So if you guys could go back in time and wake up one athlete from a slump, who would the athlete be and what time period would you go to? Wow. Wow. I don't even... I don't even know where to start on that. And is it a? It could be current or living. Oh yeah, all, all time, anything, wide open. Remember how bad Chris Davis was with the Baltimore Orioles there was <laughs> it last year or two years ago, when he was like yeah, three for summer. fifty or something like that. I felt awful for him because he'd signed a pretty big deal with the Orioles, and then he couldn't get a hit to save his life. That that's the most recent one that I remember of just a guy just in a horrible horrible slump well albert pools we were talking about this the other night uh has been in a slump ever since he joined the angels someone's got to wake him up <laughs> but i'm i'm more than fine with with him uh middling over there i was gonna say after week one of the nfl that it was a uh, tom terrific but the goat don't worry has, has stepped up and and brought it so no I, I i it's a good question i'm not i'm not really sure um well I was going to say, if I can break the rules, maybe I'll just go with the Minnesota Twins and break up their playoff <laughs> slump because that's yeah. just terrible. Josh, I picked the Twins to actually go to the series, and now I look like a huge idiot. So th- thanks, you do. Twins. <laughs> you do Thank look you. like a huge idiot. Uh, well, and, and the and the A's today won their first series in, in a long time too, right? It was, yeah, it's been a while since they were able well, to break through the win column. Yeah, and this is perfect because our second topic is kind of along these same lines. Earlier today, the Atlanta Braves finished off a two-game sweep of the Cincinnati Reds, advancing to the NLDS. It's their first playoff series win since 2001. They had lost 10 series in that span, which was tied for the longest stretch in MLB history. So not a stretch of games like the Twins, but a stretch of series. So during today's game, though, uh, with the Braves uh, winning against the Reds, they were led by Marcelo Zuna, who celebrated by pretending to take <laughs> selfies. So Zuna paused between home and first after a home run to take a, a pretend selfie. He also took a fake selfie with teammate Adam Duvall in the dugout. So thoughts on the Braves breaking up their playoff utility, also the selfies during the game, and then a question for you. If you guys could take a selfie with one professional athlete, who would it be? Ooh. Hmm. I saw it when he did it. I was watching the game live when he did yeah. it, and, and I, I'll admit I chuckled. When he did it, I probably shouldn't have. Well, He'll probably get beaned by somebody right, that's for doing that. Yeah, uh, but it did make me chuckle. Selfie with an athlete. Yeah, Wait. is that is the, is taking a selfie like that? Is that worse than a big bat flip? Like what? I just I don't know what the decorum is there for Major League Baseball, but because no, no one does, it it's unwritten. Right. That's right. <laughs> One of unwritten rules. And I think the selfie is probably more obnoxious, but I, I think bat flips are definitely cooler. So I think point goes to the bat flip. Um, well, you guys already know I would I would stalk Tom Brady to the ends of right. the earth to yep. get a selfie yep, yep, with yep. him. That's, that was a slam dunk there. So, you know, <laughs> that, that really isn't really isn't even a, a question. It's something I'm, I'm, I'm already actively pursuing. So Right. Ben's is, is Kemba Walker, obviously. So 
I, I honestly would have to think about this one too. Now, if you could go, what if you went back to somebody who isn't alive, but you could get there, uh, take a selfie with someone before selfies were even a thing? Hmm. Travel through time. Like, I think uh, Babe, Babe Ruth, Ruth had a kind of a yeah. libertine lifestyle. Might be cool to kind of hang out with him. Like, grab oh, and a he'd probably was too. standing on the corner, what looking for him. He, he <laughs> would love that. I mean, the way his oh, personality yeah. was. That's right up his alley. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. would definitely want to do that. Um, give me Jackie Robinson. That'd be really cool to go get a selfie with Jackie Robinson for all he did for the history of the sport and for the game. Cool. Speaking of the great Bambino, today is uh, it was this day in history back in 1932 that he supposedly called his shot. Oh, have hey. you seen the Have you seen the video? Yeah, watched yeah. it on Twitter pretty, today. It's pretty grainy, but there is the video, and it's a pretty quick gesture, but. I can see how the legend grew from that video. Oh, yeah. Slightly apocryphal. Some sort of pointing happened in mm-hmm. some amount of time. Yeah. We'll switch from Major League Baseball to the NFL. My beloved Indianapolis Colts have played a pair of home games this season, both in front of fans. The first one was played in front of 2,500 people, the second in front of 7,500. But the next home game in week six is set to allow for 12,500 fans. So what do you guys think about this approach of incrementally ramping up attendance, and do you think it's a model the Big Ten could follow? Hmm. Well, uh I don't know. I mean, the Big Ten is very concerned with kind of the image of the conference and the league, and they want to take this thing seriously. And so if they allow any fans at all, then they're, they're worried about the, the kind of image of it. And I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe they, they fold, uh, you know, after week two or three, they eventually allow some fans in. Because, I mean, honestly, if you have a couple, fan, a couple thousand fans in a 90,000-feet stadium all spaced out and you're outdoors – that shouldn't be much of an issue, but to, to, to kind of gesture and show how seriously, quote unquote, they're taking this issue, they're going to have no one in. So I, I don't know if they'll ultimately end up adopting that. I mean, my, my thought is they'll probably just stand pat at no one just because that was their original stance. And, you know, for most of these these teams, they don't really give a, you know, bleep like Rutgers isn't going to be <laughs> packing fans to the <laughs> to the brim, uh, even if they could. So. Um, they'll, they'll probably just stay because I, I, I think one of the lessons we've learned is there's a lot of safetyism of you know if we if we look uh, very seriously like we're taking a strong stance against this virus even if it isn't necessarily actually a strong or feasible stance they're, they're still going to take it so uh, unfortunately I don't know if they're going to open the gates up anytime soon Austin I sure hope they do I, yeah. I, I sure hope they do and Tim brings up a great point if you're putting 10,000 people in a 90,000 seat stadium, you can spread them out where they're not even within arm's length of each other. I mean, if we can go grocery shopping, I mean, we can go to Lowe's and Home Depot and some of those places and walk around. How can we not spread people out outside in a stadium? But I'm with Tim. I don't see them doing that. I hope they do. Yep. Well, speaking of fans in the stands at football games, the Atlanta Falcons had already announced that they would allow fans in the stands for an October 11th game against the Carolina Panthers, but they announced today that they're going to use drones to clean the stadium after the game. The drones will fly around and uh, squirt cleaning solution all over the the stands after the fans leave. So if you guys had a high-tech drone in your possession at your disposal, what would you use it for to improve your life? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Other than just, like, buzzing around and annoy my neighbors, um, (laughs) I'm not really sure. I I, I have been... 
Uh, there's like probably some city ordinance about drones and how you can and, and cannot use them. Um, I, I will say this. I, I do like the idea of attaching like a GoPro to a drone and just kind of getting some aerial footage. What would I do with that footage? Probably nothing. But oh. I, I think it's interesting. I don't know. Just get some like, I don't know, aerial drone shots. Maybe I'll start a cringy YouTube channel uh, and use some of that in there. I mean, who knows? The, the possibilities are endless. Stalk Tom Brady. Like, That's right. You know? <laughs> That's right. Just have a drone figure, call Tom Brady. And I figure always... out his patterns and yeah. then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when he's breaking into people's homes and going to public parks that are supposed to be closed, uh, you know, it'll be sadly, good. Sadly, there's probably people doing that, sadly, oh. right right now down no, in you're... Tampa with that. I, you know, I think it's going to be really beneficial for, like, delivery of medicines for people that are shut-ins and that type of thing. I think this is going to be pretty helpful for that. If I had my own personal one to do something... It'd be pretty cool if I, you know, if you forget one thing at the grocery store, you could just send that thing off and go get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how maddening yeah. is it when you go to the grocery store and then you get told, well, did you get this? Nope, didn't get that. Send the drone back and go pick that bad boy up or a tub of butter or something like that. So that, that would sure make life better if we could do that. Yeah. People swatting well, I, drones out the air in the Walmart aisles. <laughs> yeah, as a as a parent of an eight month old, I would say that I would use uh, get a mini drone and have it fly around the house and pick up toys and things like that. Yeah, just, you know, you clean go. up after after the kid. Greg's idea is probably my parents' idea because there's so many times we would you know forget our musical instruments, forget our gym bags at home, and they'd have to scoot across town to get it for us or run back Where, to the mouth guard for flag football. So where's your coat, Austin? Oh, up in the locker. <laughs> yeah. If I even brought it to school, that was another <laughs> another discussion. My mom might have had a drone that just puts a, a coat on me. That's another one. <laughs> some other people that could have used a, gr- a drone were some people in Scotland. There's a throng of Harry Potter fans gathered at a train station in Clyde's Bank to see the train that got used as the Hogwarts Express in the movie series, but only half the fans were able to see the train because a commuter train passed going in the other direction at the same time as the <laughs> oh, Hogwarts no. Express rolling into the station. Oh. So what's the most excited you guys have been for an event only to leave disappointed? <laughs> oh, so, well, speaking of Harry uh, Potter and speaking of uh, the United Kingdom, I have actually been to the fabled platform three and uh what, what was nine it and nine three and three quarters. quarters and it is the most disappointing tourist trap you've ever <laughs> seen in your wow. life and first of all it's it's in uh what king's cross king's station cross. and they have a harry potter gift shop around and a you know trolley that's halfway in a in a you know in a, in a brick wall but there's this massive line of people waiting to get their photo op uh at this stupid just non-event tourist trap location and the best part is they'll they'll put a scarf on you, and they have an actual em- employee holding the scarf and like fluttering it for you <laughs> to make it look like it's billowing in the wind. So it's it's bad. It, you can like they give you like a wand to hold, and I, I took one look at that and I said, "This is what I came to." No, thanks. So yeah, serves the people right for trying to seek out their Harry Potter uh, fandom. If you're over the age of sixteen, you shouldn't be a fan of Harry Potter. Uh, grow up. Wow, man! Harsh I put my foot down. I only wow. got really Drop heated. The, the hammer, Austin. You got a retort on that one or not? Harry Potter was fantastic. I read The Order of the Phoenix in eight hours growing up. Harry Potter is fantastic. Tim is wrong. I didn't say I hate. It's I just once you get over. I mean, there's like they're like 35 year old millennials who 
are like massive Harry Potter fans. It's like, no, if you I'm have like kids running around, read them Harry Potter, but you should not be like super, you should not be going on Pottermore.com and saying, ooh, I'm a Ravenclaw. Like, get that. I mean, I throw up in my mouth when I hear that. Okay. I, I, I now know not to invite <laughs> Tim to my next Comic Con that I'm going to go to at some point in time. Oh, are you, do you guys remember in your history books Plymouth Rock? Yes, yes, sir. Hearing that, you know, that's where the first ship landed or whatever. Well, I was back on the East Coast. This has been 10, 12 years ago. And one of the stops on the tour was to go see Plymouth Rock. You walked up and you're like, that's it? What? Whatever. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> so the big buildup, you go up, you look at it for like three seconds, you turn around and walk away, go, whatever. Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So skip that if you're back there sometime. Well, say, even just it. seeing the sites in general, like t- for me, when you travel, it's more about kind of the the things you do, the people you meet, because it's one thing to just kind of check the boxes. Like even something like the Louvre in Paris, it's obviously a world-class museum, but it's also like just way too massive to, to see all in one day. So if you're just running around like, oh, there's the Mona. Oh, yeah. The, speaking of the uh, tourist traps, the Mona Lisa things like a postcard there's yeah, eighty thousand people big. trying to see it at once yeah you can't see it it's 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 not great so no, sorry speaking of overrated things harry potter mona lisa it, i'm taking them all out today wow this is the this tim's is the perfect for category culture. for tim this is the perfect category for tim you Just, fired up yep i love it all right well switching gears here a little bit uh, earlier today eli manning the former new york giants quarterback posted on twitter and said that he's going to be doing the 100 push-ups for 100 days challenge i didn't know this was a thing hmm. but eli is doing it 100 push-ups a day for 100 days uh, have you guys ever participated in something like this like a challenge or like maybe challenging yourself to do something over a certain stretch of time yeah i've wanted to do no shave november at some point yeah. in time but i always have these tv shows with the oscars and i don't know if that's going to be a, would be a good look as you got through yeah. the month uh, but I've kind of wanted to do that at some point in time. So maybe maybe I'll ch- try to check that off my list at some point in time. I think I have done No Shave November, but it turns into No Shave never, like ever. Uh, and so that's why <laughs> you find me with a beard. I will say this, a 100 push-up challenge, that's like nothing. I mean, it, first of all, you need to do like, what, 200, I think, to see any like noticeable gains. I mean, yeah, it's like... A hundred push-ups a day. I mean, sure. I guess the discipline to do them Speak every day is something. But no, <laughs> yeah. see, my routine was uh, two. Well, I would do two hundred every other day. Uh, of course, I took some ample rest time in between. I didn't just crank out. Well, I was going to say that at one time. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, if he does a one hundred one set, that's impressive. But if he if he breaks it up throughout the day, that's like, you know, you do ten push-ups in the morning, maybe ten at ten or twenty at lunch, and then no. I mean. It's it's about like rest time. If you if you just crank out like a hundred in a day, one set is impressive. But like just one day, I'm calling I'm calling you out, Eli Manning. I'm just I'm on a warpath. I'm gonna start Eli Manning's thing tomorrow. I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Hundred push-ups <laughs> okay, for hundred days. I don't Tim's know. Made, like, are they real? You gotta do. It. You gotta have the proper form because I see so many people crank out push-ups and they do like the. They don't go all the way down or, you know, I'm not saying you have, you have to touch your chest to the floor, but I, I think people, they, they, they take too wide a grip. I mean, I don't know. It's just a I'm lot gonna of. going to be ripped in 30 days. You all watch. Right. Love it. Hold you to it. <laughs> One guy who's ripped and done plenty of push-ups in his <laughs> life, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the subject of our seventh topic, at least tangentially. So it was announced that the league that Dwayne Johnson owns, the XFL, will be returning in at 20 at 22. Where do you guys stand on the XFL coming back? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, good luck. I mean, it, it never works with these leagues just because I, I think that, number one, 
you know, if when you play football in the spring, you think that, oh, yeah, people will have more interest because of, you know, the NFL. But no, I mean, I think that by the time the, the spring, you're in the spring, you know, March Madness starts ramping up. You're going to have um, so many other sports going on. And also just the level of play isn't there. It, it just isn't there. I mean, it, it's it's basically like I, I understand why people say, oh, there should be a minor league for football. But you already have college football. That's so important to people. I mean, there's really no allegiance to the teams. The level of play isn't that great. I mean, I, good, good luck to them, but I don't think it's going to work. I love football as much as anybody, but I'm also a big sports fan, and I'm ready for something different after the Super Bowl's over. I'm ready for March Madness. I'm ready for the NBA playoffs. I'm ready for the Masters. So the XFL is trying to jump into part of my calendar that I'm not, I don't want any more in there. So I love opening day for Major League Baseball. All that, it, try to jump, it tries to jump over the top. Me, I'm not going to let it do it. So, I'm with you. They've just tried it so many times; it keeps yeah. failing. I respect that they, you know, keep trying it, but at some point, just give up the ghost, please. Right. Yep. That's all seven. Good. Well done. It's time for faceoff. Let's go! Let's go! Mano a mano, you me, right here, right now. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Oh, they better be ready. They better be ready. Not only has Greg whipped up a few questions for this one, I have as well. I, I, I consulted my, my sports nightly supercomputer and spit out three of the most toughest, difficult questions sports have ever devised. So I hope you guys are on your toes. Wow, you guys better be ready for, for Tim. I'm Last looking- week, the, the questions were fair, weren't they? Yes. Absolutely. I would say so. Hi, the, Mark, the, the, Tim. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, the, the question about the the gold gloves, like that one was a little bit more difficult, but I understood where Ben was going with it because of Alex Gordon retiring and all that. But all that right, was the only we, one that's a little bit well, off. Josh, the real question is, are you going to get at least one of these categories hey. right? Because uh, Tim, this is a brand new week. You weren't <laughs> a part of last week, so <laughs> back off. Josh, so, by the way... By the way, you get the winner of uh-huh. of this matchup, so you right, better yeah. be ready. All right. So Austin won last week. It's a best of three, so Josh to stay alive. This is like the wild card it series. The, I, I don't have a good feeling as as a Twins fan. I know how that's how that went just a couple days ago. So. All right, let's get going here. Question number one: With the NBA Finals underway, this marks LeBron James's tenth trip to the championship round. Who are the five franchises those have come against? Austin. Austin. All right, so LeBron has played against the San Antonio Spurs. Very good. You want to play or pass? I'm going to play this one. Okay. All right, LeBron has faced off against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Very good. Two for two. Kevin Durant's team. Indeed. We have the Dallas Mavericks, I believe. Three for three. All right. Is that include? Is the question including this year? It's his 10th trip to the championship round. So, so who are I, the five franchises they've come against? Okay, so he's played against the Heat this year. And finally, the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Damn, swept right through it. Look at that. I mean, Austin, Josh is already sweating, already having nightmares. 
about what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's not a great start. <laughs> it's okay. You have a chance to rebound because I've, I've got. Wanted, wanted to give you a, one to kind of jump into it. I mean, you don't want to make the first one so hard. Right. What's funny is Austin went basically the opposite direction of where I would have gone. <laughs> I would have started with the Warriors, then gone with the Heat, yeah. and then basically the exact opposite direction of, <laughs> of how he went. I don't know. I, I honestly probably would have forgotten about the Thunder. I, I don't know if I would have remembered that one. All right. Well, gentlemen, no cheating on this next one. Uh, in honor of our fantasy league, name four of the top five players in terms of scoring average in fantasy football this year using ESPN standard scoring system. Go ahead, buzz in. Austin. All right, Austin buzzed in. Josh, still on the draw again. Go ahead, Austin. How about Aaron Jones? Show me Aaron Jones. Ooh. No, sir. Good guess. Good guess, but not Aaron Jones. Hmm. What about... Aaron Rodgers. Show me Aaron Rodgers. And no, Mr. Rodgers is not on there. Already two buzzes, one apiece. DeAndre Hopkins. Show me mm. Mr. Hopkins. Wow, no, really? sir. Wow. No, sir. Well, mm. wow, this is... Okay. I, I have my next two guesses already. You can. Josh is up. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy on my own team because he's been killing it every week. How about Calvin Ridley? Show me Calvin Ridley. No. I don't think so. Josh Allen. Show me Josh Allen. That's a good one. It is good. Josh Allen, an average of 31.3 fantasy points. Holy cow. Austin got one. Austin, though, on two strikes. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. The game starts now. All right, fine. Game does start now. Go ahead. Please refresh my memory. How many other players am I looking for? Three You're looking for... Three more of the okay. top five. So you can name right. the, the, yeah, at least four of the top five. So you're looking for three more. All right. Uh, Dak Prescott. Is Dak Prescott on there? He is indeed. He is indeed. You are looking for two more. Russell what, what, Wilson. What, what, uh, show me Mr. Wilson. Man. There you go. That is uh, just looking for one more. You got two players left. One more. Okay. Oh, you're only asking him to get four of the top five? Four of the top five, yep. Four of the top five. Ooh, okay. Wow, you're being and easy on I have all three him. strikes, correct? Yep. Um, this guy's usually good for some fantasy points. Patrick Mahomes. Is there Mr. Mahomes? He did it. Indeed. Austin, the winner in this category again. Yeah, I went easy on him now that I think about it, but I, I, I was like, whoa, you guys are going to just strike out on this category. It took you a while was to it find the Was quarterbacks? Right. I'm sorry, did you say quarterbacks? No, no, no. So the, the one player you guys didn't mention, it was all quarterbacks besides Alvin Kamara, who leads everyone with 35.6. So that was kind of the tricky thing about it. It was all QBs besides Alvin Kamara. Now, in fairness to you guys, when I when I first looked this up, I thought it would be like guys like Zeke. I thought it would be guys like Kamara and Jones. But no, it was Alvin Kamara and then just QBs. So no, it was kind of a trick question, but it wasn't just QBs. It was everyone. De- DeAndre Hop- Hopkins did not have a very good game Sunday, which would have really brought his right. average down. Right. That's yeah. that's it. Yeah. And Calvin, right. Calvin really, I'm surprised he wasn't on there either. Yeah. 2-0 Austin. Here we go. Question number three. The French Open started on Monday. Name the top four winners of the title, men or women, since the Open era began Josh. in 1968. <laughs> Josh. Rafael Nadal. Rafael oh, yep, Nadal. You're right. You're getting Rafael Nadal. <laughs> <laughs> I was so reflexively ready to buzz Josh, I buzzed him. He's, go, num- he's number one at 12 titles. You want to play or pass? Oh, I'd better play. Um... 
Let's see. So you said men or women? Yes. Name the top four uh, winners of the title, men or women, since 1968. Uh, what about Serena? Serena Williams not on there. In fact, I think she's only won that maybe twice. Interesting. Okay. Um, she's out, by the way. She tore Achilles or something the other day. She's out yeah. of the tournament. Injured, yeah. I'm trying to think who else would be... I wish I knew which which one which side was uh, how many there were from each side, and so how many how many total am I looking for? Four. You have the, Four the number total. one in Nadal. Okay. Um. Since you said, what what did you say about sixty eight? That's when it's just. Yeah, that's when the open era of tennis began. There were some okay. guys in the thirties and forties who won a bunch, but nobody would have known them. Um, I'll stick on the female side and say Margaret Court. She has won it, but not enough to be on this list. Okay. Um. I'll stay on the men's side or I'll go back over to the men's side um how about Djokovic no he's just not been able to break through with with Nate all so a chance for a steal here Austin you got three left yeah but only one strike to get I have a whole list of names written down man um I guess I'm going to go with the one on the top of my list. Andre Agassi. Josh is on the board. And Josh, it was two and two, actually, men and women. Number two is Chris Everett. She won seven times. Number three was Bjorn Borg. He won six. And Steffi Graf won six. So you had Agassi's wife. Wrong half those, of that equation. Darn it. Those are your four. I let Josh ah. on the board. I don't like Josh on the right, board. I, I accomplished go. my goal for this week. I scored a point. <laughs> that Chris Everett thing always makes me remind me of that Jim Rome clip where he calls him Chrissy and then he flipped yes. the table over. That was golden. Yes. Um, good stuff. All right. Question you, number four. Uh, excluding the Lightning's latest Stanley Cup okay. triumph, a professional sports franchise from the state of Florida has won a championship in the 21st century a total of six times. Name five of those years in which a Florida team won a championship. Austin. All right, Austin, go ahead. Go 2003 with the Miami Marlins. 2003 with the Marlins. Yes, sir. That is correct. All right, I'm going to play this one. All right, go ahead. Then we have the, well, 2012 and 13 Miami Heat. Correct on both the 2012 and 2013 Miami Heat. That gives you three left, or rather two left, because I think I said five of the six. Okay. I've got the Heat crossed off. I've got the Marlins crossed off. Excluding the Lightning, correct? Excluding the light, the most recent win. Right. 2020, okay. yeah. Let's see. Well, I say most recent leads me to believe they might be on there again. I'm not a... Hockey historian. Um, hmm. Professional Florida teams. Just take your time. 
Oh, don't worry, I'm going to. Until <laughs> I've stumped you. Oh, you've stumped me. I'm sitting here trying to even <laughs> think of... Just racking the brains. I know. Uh, this is hard. Uh... Oh, man. Uh... I'm just waiting to buzz you. Well, I know you are. How about... The O2 Buccaneers. The O2 Buccaneers. Yes, wow. sir. What a pull. The Gruden Grinders. I, I knew the Bucks got one. I couldn't remember which year, so I had to work my way back through that. This one. is this is so cruel that you made him do the years, not just name the I know. I, 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 I never do. I have never done that. Or I guess we did it maybe one time <laughs> with like Husker football. You're National evil, Tim. Blame, You're evil. Yeah. Blame the sports nightly supercomputer that spit these out. I'm just but a tool in the, in the machine. <laughs> An evil tool in the machine, that's for sure. Recap what he's got. Yeah, so recap, we've got what do the 2013 we have right and 2012 Miami Heat. We also have the 2003 Miami Marlins and the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers leaving us and two teams left. And, and he just has to get one, though, right? Just right. And he has one strike. And he has one strike. Okay. Remind me of my strike. Which, what did I get? Oh, did you? No, he never you got a strike. Not to oh. my knowledge, you did not get All a strike. Right. Okay, so... But he's stalling right now. I'm about to give him a strike just because... Well, yeah. hey, now, based on the wording of your question and what you said before, you kind of dropped a little bit of a teaser, I think. So I'm going to pause it... Well, no, because I don't know the year, so I'm not going to throw exactly. it out there. See, that's the, that's the other thing. Uh, yeah, that's why this is such a difficult <laughs> question. Well, here's, a, here's the thing, Austin. How about I just buzz <laughs> you for taking too long? Chill, chill out. I mean, I'll say... I'm going to say... The lightning in 2001. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 All right. Do we just hand things over to Josh yet? Because I think Austin's dipped into all of his. No, he I has got two not, more not strikes. Close. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, gotta sit back and pull him a little bit here. Just stroking that chin. Oh man. Repeat the question one more time for me, please. <laughs> Make sure I'm clear on the yes, your worship. All right, excluding the Lightning's latest Stanley Cup triumph, a sports team from Florida, professional sports team, has won a championship in the 21st century a total of six times. Excuse me, name five of those years in which a Florida team won. Thus far, you have 23 Heat, 2020, rather 2013 Heat, 2012 Heat, 2003 Marlins, 2002 Bucks. Looking for two more. Does double? Did I double up on the Heat? Does that count as two, or is that only one? Because I named both. That counts as two. Okay. Two. 2013. You, you only got one ding, but it was two. Two answers, correct? Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, the 2017 Orlando Pride. Um, I don't know if I'm <laughs> counting that. Uh, I'm just gonna buzz you. I think we're talking major professional. Yeah, well, I, I don't Austin. know if that counts. I'm just throwing it out there. I give you a strike I, I'm, anyway. I'm running you're, toward the end of the darts. line. I'm probably missing an obvious one. Um, I hope not. I. I don't think you're missing an obvious one, Austin. <laughs> well, I feel like I am if it's taking me this long to think of them. But as I run through the Florida teams. Oh, my boy. This is getting painful. Yeah, this is. All right. Bad. I just buzzed Austin. All right, Josh. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, I, I, this I is what, that's exactly what I was worried about with Tim hosting the quick buzzer. No time yeah. it, without pressure. All I'm right. just a mental midget you're like just Ben. Stall it out. <laughs> I think I think Austin was on to something. I, I think it was the lightning that is one of the other two. 
Now the year, and I, because I remember, as a, I have been around Ben long enough that I know he's a Lightning fan and he's talked about their history and I know that they have won one in his lifetime. So I think that he's on to that. And I think it was in the early to mid 2000s. So I think Austin was right around it. But um, I think I'm going to go with the, oh man, 2004 Lightning. Yes, sir. Whoa, what yes, a pull. Sir. Wow. What that was the correct. other one? I have the no idea. The other one was a 2006 the... Miami Heat, remember, with Shaq? Oh, oh right. duh. Yep, yeah, you right. guys, that was the yep. – that's why against I said – I knew the Lightning was the deep pull, which is why I said name five of the of the six times. And I knew the Bucks one was uh, was also kind of a memorable one. But, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. 2006. Yep, that was my... the obvious one I missed. Wow. I cracked the door. Yep. Austin and Josh, that's impressive. When he put the years on that thing, holy cow. Yeah, that was still disappointed. Yep. Two two tie now, boys. Two two. Got a game. Got a series. On to question five. With the baseball playoffs starting this week, which five franchises have the best series winning percentage in baseball history? Josh. Go ahead, Josh. Uh, Yankees. Show me the Yankees. They are second all-time with a 654 series winning percentage. Want to play or So pass? you're saying, so like say they've had 50 series all-time, they've won 40 65, of They've won 65, 65.4% of those series. Of those series. Okay, so yep. it's not games in the playoffs. Nope, nope. Series, series wins. Won. Okay. And it's, is pass? it current franchises before I play? Yes. Current franchises. Okay. Um, I'll play. Okay. Teams that have been good in the postseason. Um, man, like the teams that I'm thinking of haven't been. Uh, how about the Dodgers? Show me the Dodgers. Oh. One strike. Uh, how about the Cardinals? Show me the Cardinals. Yeah. They're third. 625 winning percentage in series is best franchise maybe, in baseball. And maybe add to that tonight. Right. Um, and I need five, correct? So three left? Yep. Three left. One strike. All right. Um, all time. Show me the Giants. Not the Giants. No, sir. Okay. Two strikes. Austin is licking his chops. Yeah, he know he knows it. I, I have a feeling he's got this one. Oh, this is tough. I've got like tw- fifteen teams in my head that are just all rattling around, and none of them are standing out. You've just don't throw out picked, the one I'm going to say, please. You've correctly picked the Yankees and the Cardinals, two and three on the list. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm eliminating eliminating teams as we speak. This is difficult. I, this is this is what we talked about last week. Like I could probably come up with it if I had five minutes to sit here and actually rationally go through everything. But you're lucky for five seconds with Tim. All right, I know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not so right. I feel like I, I feel like I went it. fairly fairly quick with my other guesses. So I'm I'm hoping I can earn a little bit of grace here with this one. Um. Oof, man! Like all the teams that I'm thinking of that are popping to my head are are teams that have not done well. 
Hmm. How about the Cincinnati Reds? Join the Reds. Oh, a chance for Austin to steal and take the lead. A strikeout right there. I believe there is one team that has not lost a postseason series in its its entire team history. I believe the Miami Marlins are perfect two of two on mm. World Series runs. Show me the Marlins. You are correct. They are number one. They've never lost a postseason series in their history. So they were one, Yankees two, Cardinals three. The Mets were four. The 6-11 winning percentage in Boston was five at 595. Okay. I knew you knew that, Austin. <laughs> I yes, I, I watching all the baseball. I think that flashed up a time or two, so that was that yeah. was decently fresh in my mind. All right, all right. Tim, sticking with that postseason theme, three players in Major League Baseball history have hit eight home runs in a single season in postseason play. Can you name them? Great. Maybe. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. Josh. Josh. Right, Josh. Just repeat the, repeat the question first. Right, so three, I... three players in Major League Baseball history have hit eight homers uh, during the postseason, and that's in a single season. So not eight career homers or eight in one game, but eight throughout the postseason. Can <laughs> you name postseason them? postseason run, yeah. Can you name them? Babe, Babe Ruth. Show me Babe Ruth. Oh. Nope. Now, I do have a hint in case this gets out of hand. Okay. But, hold okay. off on that hint for a couple uh, Hold off on the hint. I mean, George Brett had three against the Yankees in the 80s in one series. How about, how about George Brett? Oh. Not George Brett. How about David Ortiz? Show me Big Poppy. Oh. Ooh, that was a good guess. Well, he was close, but not quite good the guess. Um, I'm afraid this is going to have a cardinal slant. Oh, boy. Albert Schubert. <laughs> Dang it. No, you'd be wrong. Okay, I, I, you would be wrong. I thought you were on to something there, Austin. <laughs> you would be wrong. Um, it does have a slant. Okay, here's the, here's the slant. Uh, all of you, you, everyone here was alive uh, when these three players did it. it was, these are all in the 21st yeah. century. None of these are like deep cuts. They're all relative. I mean, well, maybe some of these are considered deep cuts, but they're all, relatively speaking, recent. None, none of these are pre-2000. Uh, Josh oh, has to Josh gets to guess again. I have one now. I don't oh. think it's right, but I, I think I'm close. Uh, uh, Barry Bonds. Show me Barry Bonds. Yes, yep. sir. All right. Barry Bonds. Um, I guess I'll play, but I don't feel great about doing that. Oh, surprised Albert Pujols wasn't on there. That would have been. Was he close? Was he on that? I think he was. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but it, I think he was. Mm. How? Well, he wasn't. You said 21st century was your hint, right? Yes. What about trying to just think of mo- recent World Series teams. Um, yeah. I, even though he wasn't... Well, yeah, I don't know. This is... Alex Rodriguez. Show me Alex. A fraud. Not part of the equation here. Man. A fraud. Woo. My dad was a um, Red Sox fan, so... One strike. That's just one strike. Um, here's a guy that I love that was good at one point. What about uh, Jim Tomey? 
Jim Tomey, good guess. But it would be wrong. It would be more than wrong. Uh, Tim's enjoying this, you guys. Yeah, he likes this. See the grin on his face right now. (laughs) All right. Now, this is kind of a deep poll, but I think I remember uh, the World Series that Darren Urstad was a part of. He's not my guest, but the Rally Monkey and all that. Um, Big home run hitter on that team was Troy Gloss. Is he on there? No, sir. Austin for the steal and the win. I have been, I, I have, I've struggled coming up with a name here, to an extent. I think this guy was close. He had an absolutely torrid stretch. I don't know if it was all postseason. I know he was hot to end the regular season, but that run lasted up until the World Series. How about 2015 Daniel Murphy? Oh. Oh. Good guess, but yeah. that was not Ooh. him. All right, do we just reveal or does Austin get more yeah. guesses? No, no it's, it's it. over. Josh wins. We're at 3 3. That's right. Well, the other two guys were Nelson Cruz in 2011. Oh, come and on. And Carlos Beltran in 2004, which is a top man. Wow. I would have thought yeah, Big Poppy. Nelly. <laughs> Big yeah. Poppy was a good guess. Big Poppy was right there. I mean, yeah. there were guys that had like seven that I think you guys guessed that were just right I think we it. acquitted ourselves well with our guesses. You did. Yeah. didn't guess anything too crazy. All right. T- Tim Seven. is tough, boys. I knew he would be. I knew he'd bring the heat <laughs> on these questions. All right. Mine is going to stretch the stretch your mind a little bit here. The first day of fall was last week. So with that in mind, after a survey of 100 people, we're looking for the top five responses. What smell would you associate with fall? Austin. Josh. Austin. Leaves. Do we see Leaves. That is the number one answer. Fantastic. Want to play or pass? I will play. I don't want to give up the seventh question here. <laughs> I feel like that's not a smart strategy. All right. Um, Four left. Okay. How about... I don't know how specific or general to get with this. <laughs> um, pumpkin. Oh. I'll leave it up to the commish, like Tim Curran. Pie, spice cake, that sort of stuff. That? Yeah, he yep. said it there. Pumpkin pie, it's fourth on the list. Ooh, fourth. So you got one and four. One and four. All right. So we have leaves. We have a pumpkin pie. For fall time smells. What about. Like apple cider mm. or apple pie, apple. Same I whatever you got to write. <laughs> Apples, number five. Ugh, Ugh. Took four and five off. That's You've got one, four, and five. <laughs> okay. Doing well. Really yeah, hard. Good uh, job, Austin. I appreciate the uh, a little bit of leniency from the judges on, on those last yeah, couple. Yeah. Fall smells. Got a list, Josh? Mm, I have one or two, but <laughs> I had the ones that he said so far, but those, I feel like those are relatively obvious. I have one other one, though. It's on my list. I'm trying to think of more. How about bonfires? <sighs> yep. Technically can't fire. Campfire, bonfire. Lenient mood. Is yep. that two or three? Number three. Uh, that's... Man, 
I'm going to be kind of surprised if he sweeps this, Tim. It's going to be <laughs> too difficult. I don't know how he's going to get this one, but okay. Oh, come on. I think it is, I think it is difficult. <laughs> More okay. difficult than my questions, which were all very <laughs> oh, easy. Oh, it was not. Yours were hard. False smells. What about, like, Thanksgiving dinner, turkey? Matt, one strike. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> and I'll remind you, gentlemen, take a look at the clock. and. Uh, <laughs> I know. We're, uh, I've, I've got an answer ready as long as he doesn't take it. All right, Austin, just... Pecan pie. Uh, nope. Okay. One strike left. I don't want to give this to Josh for the game because my heart would absolutely break. Well, it's too bad. <laughs> um, Not to make you feel bad, the leaves, 46 out of the 100 people picked leaves. The next answer got 20. <sighs> and then it went down to nine. I don't know how Camp 20 Fire people arrived. I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I really don't. I. What do 20 people think of in the fall? My, my answer that I have, I don't feel like is going to be right. So, Austin, it doesn't matter well, if you get better this or not. Better not be. Um... <laughs> I have an answer. What about, but what about I just like it. a tailgate? Well, Josh, right. for the chance to steal and stay in the game. Here's what I have in my head. I'm. Uh, this isn't right, but I'm going to say flannel. <laughs> no. All right. The number two. The number two answer was rain. Oh, that seems. Uh, uh, okay, no. Okay. That's, okay. Uh, All right. I don't like okay. it. Yep. I protest. Good game. Austin, congratulations. Tim awaits you next week. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Put my record on the line. Josh, we went from four games to seven games on that one. That was, wow, got both yeah, sides that of that tight. spectrum. That was good. Yeah. Well done, guys. Good stuff there. Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm going to make him an offer again with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, let's see what the spin on the guy's screens in the last seven days or so. Tim? Well, I haven't been on uh, Flicks Picks in a while, so, I mean, I could probably go through the whole gamut of, of everything I've watched. I'll spare everyone the, the tediousness of that. Uh, real quick, though, I wanted to mention I did see The Social Dilemma, the, oh, uh, yeah, the, the I new see that. documentary that everyone's been talking about. Well, uh, hold on, Greg, because I have a Ooh, critique. Okay. Uh, it is the new reefer madness of our era. I mean, it is the most, like, overwrought um, you know, it's, I'm not a fan of social media at all, and that's what this documentary basically gets to the heart of. But I, I do think it does go a bit over the top. I think there are there are some I don't know want to say falsehoods that are promulgated in that documentary, but stuff that made me think is that really true? I don't know. But also, there's like this over kind of dramatized bit they do with this family where it's a a fictitious family being you know depicted and they're showing you know fake facebook social engineer it's it's very strange i wasn't a huge fan of it uh the other thing i saw was speaking of uh stuff i don't like the new charlie kaufman film that's on netflix i'm thinking of ending things as a fan of pretentious stuff uh even this was too pretentious for me uh so the new charlie kaufman movie uh i i wouldn't I, I wouldn't go out of your way to see it um i know i think austin already brought this up tenet uh which i saw in theaters was fantastic a little too plotty thinking characterization but uh it was good that's all i got so two thumbs down and a thumbs up on tenant 
Uh, I give it a thumb up. Not two thumbs up, but one thumb up. This is good. Okay. Austin? All right, so my fiance and I are still going through Designated Survivor. We're on the last episode of Season 1 right now. Looking forward to that. But also, I'm going to show her Harry Potter for the first time just because Tim decried it. I have to take a stand. <laughs> well, you haven't seen it? No, I've seen it. She hasn't. Oh, well, then, yeah, well, I don't mind the films. They're fine. Uh, Azkaban's the best. Prisoner of Azkaban's the best. False, but that's a discussion that's the best. another time. Let him go at it. They'll be talking the hours after we're done with the show tonight. I finished up season four of Shit's Creek. I got two to go. Netflix is dropping the last season on August, October the 7th. So perfect time. It'll be able to finish that series in the next few weeks. Love it. And about to finish Space Force. I've got one episode left. I know it's been much panned. It's all right. I turn my mind off and watch part of that. That'll do it for tonight's show. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Highly Hotline. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks to Tim, Josh, Austin, and all of you. Have yourself a great night. We're back again tomorrow night with another show. Good night.